Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. A lot can happen in 3 years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. So folks, today I'm so excited to have here with me my guest and Beyond Surviving graduate, Tim. He is going to be sharing with us about his journey of finding his voice and refusing to be silent anymore. Oh my goodness, this has been such an amazing year of interviewing my Beyond Surviving graduates, and you are in for such a treat with Tim. He's such a, a warm-hearted, open, intelligent, compassionate, deeply insightful man, and uh, he's going to just have so much to offer around this topic of finding our voice and being able to share our stories. A little about Tim, he's a native of Californian who has lived and traveled in many locales west of the Rocky Mountains. When he's not working with high school and college students, you're going to find him enjoying those outdoors, climbing and skiing and surfing. Very often our sessions uh, are with Tim out in the woods. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. I get to see some of the world while he's out traveling. Um, in his youth, he did suffer through sexual abuse that left him feeling, of course, very angry and confused and alone. And y'all, 45 years passed before he was able to step into dealing with the effects of the secrets he had held from all that time and all the trauma he experienced, which is normal and reasonable. And we're going to talk a little bit about his path from that place of feeling silent and having to hold things back to now being here on a show like this and sharing his story. 
He currently lives and travels in the Western U.S. and is really enjoying life as an endless road trip. Oh, my goodness. Tim, thank you so much for being here. It's so sweet to connect and to have this time with you today. How are you doing today, man? Wow, that was quite an introduction, uh, Rachel. When you put that all together into a package, that says a lot about, about what's happened in my life. I'm doing super, super good. I'm super excited. In two weeks, roughly, I'm going to go visit the state of Wyoming. And I realized this morning I haven't spent any time there. So oh, yeah. I'm place. getting super, super excited. Awesome. How many of the 50 states do you think you've been to? Well, in truth, I would say however many there are on the left side, the west side of the Rockies. Yeah, nice. All of them. I've been driven through Wyoming, but I think that's the last state that I haven't spent time recreating in. Well, it's on, on the way. east coast. You know, my 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 parents' family are all from Ohio and Chicago. So as a kid growing up, mm. every three years we would take a trip back there, but not any, not too much time spent on the east coast. Which, by the way, the intention is to start in May and September and make my way down to South Carolina at Thanksgiving. So I'm kind of excited about visiting there. Woo, that's going to be beautiful. I just came back from North Carolina. I was out there leading this year's Emerge Retreat um, with my partner, Ashley Easter, which was such a, a fabulous experience. And oftentimes these days, it feels like I'm always traveling because of work. <laughs> Though I have a few little trips coming up. We're going to pop off to Hawaii in June. So excited that things are starting to open up more and we're able to travel. But nature is always a great place even in the midst of a pandemic, to get out and get away, isn't it, Tim? <laughs> so, yeah, and was that the same workshop kind of training that you did on the West Coast in, in Monterey last yeah, year? Yeah, last year. Oh, we okay. Here. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, so this year we did it virtually. We did it, I went out to the East Coast to be with Ashley, and we used her living room as okay. our studio. And, um, yeah, it was a really fabulous experience. And I, it certainly has got me thinking a lot about, like, what's the version for men? Right. Um, because as you know, as a male survivor, services are and resources are getting better for men, um, but they're still lagging and way, way behind um, what's offered to women. And I am certain that's, you know, part of your journey. Um, you know, when you think about just even that moment for you when you decided, hey, I'm going to I'm going to take a look at this. I'm not going to run away from this trauma anymore and I'm going to seek some support. Did you find that challenging just by way of even finding resources that were, you know, geared towards you or that at least felt they could be supportive of you as a male survivor? Yeah, I, uh, I looked around, I was looking at some other arenas to kind of finally get some extra support with this. And in all honesty, Rachel, you're the only name that came up immediately and even today, like you, what, when you just said the possibility of creating something like this for men, I got shivers up my arms because that would be super, super exciting to do. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, 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 even bringing my experiences out into the open has been a challenge. And going through when I worked with you and the other two men in our group, each day that we were able to kind of talk a little bit about it, it became easier to have the conversation. And of course, as you know, like halfway through, we, we had these, these exercises to do that I went through that were a challenge. 
of just kind of naming our experience, writing about our experience, and really going back and revisiting it, then having the opportunity to share it with, with the group that, that you created, um, kind of take, it finally took the, the uncomfortableness that I'd experienced my whole life of even thinking about the thoughts. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if I've shared this with you, that there were three occasions where I came close to telling this, twice with my wife okay. and once with a therapist I was working with. And it's like I was waiting for that magic moment that oh. I would feel completely safe and then it didn't happen. Right. So um, doing that with my two partners in, in the Beyond Surviving group and then taking the suggestion to the next level, which I remember we talking about building circles of trust. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple that I had worked for. I'd worked with all three of their kids that I trusted. And, and, and the dad, Frank, I felt uh, an affinity to. He was becoming kind of a mentor in my life. Yeah. And, and taking that walk, Rachel, mm. thinking about it, it was about a two-mile walk along the beach to get to their house. And I was, I had, my heart was beating fast. And I was like, man, this, this is, this is, Whew. I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. And, um, and, and I sat in their living room floor and I remember uh, sharing with them this thing, having no idea what the reaction or, because right. I had built it up to this big thing in my mind. Yes. And I remember looking over at, at Frank and, um, you know, I had my head down telling the story because I just couldn't look him in the eye. And then I looked up and I saw tears coming down Frank's cheeks and I'd never seen him emotional about anything before it it was an incredible uh intimate moment with these three people who I can't like you know now I count Frank as one of my very very close friends and his wife Susan we talk all the time and hang out and um that opened that opened the possibility Rachel of uh it just took the sting out of what I would call the shame. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just hiding. I, 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 I can picture myself, Rachel, as this little kid hiding within a body, pretending to be who I was for so many years. Because mm-hmm. there wasn't even one person I could share what I was feeling inside. And so... Um, I can offer up to you that creating those steps, right? First in our small intimate group, and then, um, well, actually just between you and I, and then into our small intimate group, and then slowly taking it out into the world, my experience, that uh, just had an amazing impact on, on who I can be now. Like that little boy that I was telling you about that I think of myself has slowly become to merge with who I am today or who I understand myself to be today is the best way I can describe it. And there's still moments, mm-hmm. Rachel, where mm-hmm. I'm challenged or there's some things coming up that aren't working out in my life and that separation occurs. And every time now I can become aware of it mm-hmm. 
use some kind of tool that we we created and made and and get back on track and and yeah i i I can't tell you how grateful i am for being um you know having the opportunity to be involved in that and, Mm -hmm. and 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 have that experience it's amazing wow Thank you, Tim. I'm just, you know, kind of absorbing everything that you're sharing. I'm thinking about the experience, you know, of you as a, a young boy experiencing sexual trauma and this space in which you go very interior. You, you know, go into the place of silence and separation of self. And I don't have anybody to tell. I don't know how to tell. Um, there seem to be people who might be aware about what's going on and not doing anything. So then why bother telling or why bother talking? And then into your teens, into your twenties, into your thirties. And just the, you know, I'm thinking about the bullet point list of reasons why I didn't tell, not from the place of shaming, but just to begin to understand that when we've experienced trauma, there are very real factors that add up to that place of like, I don't want to speak about this. I don't want to talk about this. Um, let's break that down a little bit. You've already started to name a few of them, but I, but I think it would be helpful for those listening to get a little insight into what that internal journey was like for you. What do you recall were one of, some of the things like in those moments when you thought, oh, I'm going to tell, but then what were the secondary, the yeah, but thoughts that ultimately stopped you from being able to speak and therefore get support, right? Because we have to acknowledge and be able to say this happened to me in order to then get the support around healing. Um, can you can you break that down for us a little bit, Tim? Well, the experience itself, Rachel, it was extremely confusing to me. Um, I had, uh, I'd hide, I, I had abandoned my family emotionally several years earlier, maybe seven, eight years old. And as these things were starting to happen, you know, I remember the description I talked about when I shared first with you and, and the guys. Um, and then since then, a lot of other actual experiences, different times this went on. And I can remember one in my house, in my room, and I could tell like it was, you know, it was the whole Rory, you know, got a blanket. Like you could, I look back on it, you could see the planning and stuff that was going on. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, at the time, Rachel, I I knew that there was something not right about this. Like there's there's and the hard part to even bring up is for me there was excitement around it. Like I don't I don't even know how to like it's it's almost sh- shameful to talk about, right? Because that was, you know, so there, I wanted to be rescued because mm. even though I knew it was wrong or it was bad or this is, I shouldn't be doing this, I felt excitement about it. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I don't know exact details each time, but, you know, obviously 
there's physical pleasure that goes on. Yeah. And it was confusing. It was confusing. And I remember this that one time in my house in the evening time, the black and white TV was on and dad opened the door. And I swear, Rachel, to this day, I believe he knew something wasn't right. And he and I think I've shared this with you. You know, he he just did a check in. Right. He didn't even come in or do anything. And I wanted so bad. I could remember so bad. Just mm -hmm. make this stop right now. Mm -hmm. Somebody interfere and, wow. and stop this. Mm. And, Thank you know, and I, that's how I kind of remember a lot of the encounters okay. where yeah. I didn't want it to happen. I would avoid being around this person, create other things. You know, it was a person that I grew up in the same home, in the same neighborhood. Everybody kind of hung out. And then, and then I had to hang out with all my friends. Right. Knowing that this other thing was going on. And, and yeah. I, at the time, this was, this Rachel, this is in the early 70s. Even today, I think, like, I don't even, I can't comprehend surviving that coming out into the open at that time. Right, right, at right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, as an adult, I begin to under, well, no, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. Um, and I was, like I said, I was confused. There was so much shame built around this, Rachel. Yeah. I just didn't want anyone to know, anyone at all to know. I just didn't. And I wanted my life to just go on and for that to be erased. Yes. Yeah. I just, it, the thing kind of just kept building up inside of me. Like, mm -hmm. I was tired of being alone. Is, is the honest truth. I, I don't know. That's amazing, Tim. You know, I want to just first of all acknowledge you in the bravery of naming what so many of us who've experienced sexual trauma have have known and have had to face ourselves. And in articulating it and naming it, um, it's bold, it's brave, but it's also normalizing the conversation around the duality of sexual pleasure and excitement and arousal and trauma, fear, abuse, confusion, that these two things are existing. And in fact, many people who are abusers, you know, leverage that we're going to play a game or doesn't this feel good? Like they, they understand that they're doing something that can cause pleasure as much as they're motivated by their own need for power um, and their own need for pleasure. So the manipulation piece, right, it's in there. It's in that thread. And so when you're a little bitty and you're trying to make sense of something that is nonsensical, all of that, what I really heard in what you just shared there is that sense of like, I, if I talk about this, I have to talk about the part that feels really confusing and scary and shaming and makes me feel gross or bad. And so since I know I'm going to have to talk about all of that, I'm just not going to talk about any of it. I'll just deal and suffer in the, that space because as soon as I begin to acknowledge this, it means I need to acknowledge and work with that part too. I think that's a huge factor for both men and women. Why, we tend to shove it away and I don't want to look at this and I don't want to feel it because 
all of the feelings then arrive on the scene. Yeah. Anything you would add to that, Tim? Well, like, no, but that, because in my mind, Rachel, I never thought about this. I've always separated the, a guy's experience versus the girl's experience. Because mm -hmm. quite frankly, I, I can't even imagine it, there being any pleasure whatsoever for a girl yeah. at all. It's just, yeah, and yet I don't know. It's, the whole thing is confusing, yeah. Rachel. Yeah. Um, I know one of the issues I dealt with throughout this is that you take the experience, and I may have spoken to you about this, and I look back on it and say, why couldn't you just stand up for yourself and say no, right? And, and one of the things I, I go back to, because the same person did this, did the same thing to my younger brother. So I have two younger brothers, my middle brother and my youngest, and it didn't happen to my middle brother, but it happened to me and my youngest brother. Mm -hmm. And so I, I had gone back and, and I still get to have that conversation with both of them. Oh my gosh. When I told them for the first time, Rachel, they were the second group of people. Yeah. That was probably the most challenging conversation I've ever had in my whole life. Wow, I imagine. And in it, I just didn't want to tell. I just didn't want to tell. I remember there being silence for a minute because I called this phone call and got them both on the line. And I remember, you know, we spoke and there was a lot of silence and shock but there wasn't because my youngest brother called me back. It was like at midnight. He called me back at like two in the morning and said, Tim, I got to let you know. I always wondered, but the same thing happened to me. And I want you to know, I dealt with this 10, 15 years ago with my, my group at my church. And I, I'm sorry it happened to you. Oh. And I still, Rachel, think about had I been able to say no and stop it and get my parents involved or make this thing happen, maybe it wouldn't have happened to Mike. Maybe it wouldn't happen to a lot of people. Mm. I don't even know. Yeah. Who else it's such an interesting um, thought exercise when we put ourselves back in history and we use retrospective thinking to try to, um, you know, rewrite history and imagine what would have happened. I was actually just talking about this with one of my closest friends um, who experienced sexual trauma. And very similarly, she was saying to me, I, I sometimes sit and think about like, what if I had told um, my mom when it was happening, as opposed to, you know, many, many, many years later in my 30s. And we were talking about that. Uh, I think it's Gwyneth Paltrow, the movie Sliding Doors. And the whole idea is that like path that diverges, the, the paths that diverge in our life. And both she and I through just kind of uh, this conversation, imagine that in a lot of ways, we might go have this diverging path, but that we always come back to a certain place. Like there might be like there are these markers or these moments that we have to get to. It depends on how much you believe about kind of like fate and yeah. like choice. And, so it's very deeply philosophical. And we want to always here's what I think, Tim, when we use retrospective thinking, 
we always look at it through the lens of what the better supposed outcome would be because that's what we're longing for. We're looking for an alternative desired outcome where we were kept safe, where we were protected and nurtured and where others were as well. And yet there isn't any strong evidence that that's necessarily what would have happened. We never think about the negative alternative when we use retrospective thinking, because what we're doing in this moment is trying to soothe ourselves and trying to imagine a different path that would have been better for us. And yet there's no guarantee that you telling would have stopped him or made any difference. Right. I get that, Rachel. And in truth, when I'm thinking now, as you're speaking about my younger brother, Mike, He's good. He's handled it. And, and like in both of our cases, you, you're talking about divergence. I think of them as trajectories in my life. Yeah. Into, there's two trajectories. Yeah. The truth is, Rachel, who I, I'm so stoked on who I am and how I show up in this world today that I wouldn't trade. I, I, I'm, I'm not looking to go back and change and rewrite history at all. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's the sum total of all these experiences I've had in my life that puts me where I'm at now. And I'm good with that. I'm, I'm super, super good with that. Um, such a piece of the beyond surviving experience, right? Is like yeah. integrating the experience and like being able to own it. Like, yes, this is the narrative of my life. I don't have to go back and change it. I don't have to shift it. What I need to do is understand the ways that it's impacted me. And therefore, how I need to support myself in order to step forward and move on from the experiences that I've had, um, you know, because quite honestly, I have gotten lost in the place of the what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. And, and if I'm really honest about that, it was like a big old pity party. And it really just kept me so stuck. I'm not saying you're up to that, Tim, I'm just reflecting my own experience, like, when I when we drop always into the conversation with ourselves about the what if either backwards or forwards, then it's really paralyzing. And it really actually kept me out of the work of healing. Um, because I was just kind of in the fantasy land. Yeah. Does well, that resonate with I, you? As you're speaking, there was a lot of what ifs in my twenties and my thirties. A yeah. lot of what ifs. Yeah. You know, yeah. not just around this, but you know many things my parents didn't get divorced if I hadn't have done this or took this drug or did right whatever. all the stuff yeah not yeah and I think um well look I can still be in the what ifs <clears throat> however I have to say that you know th there was a lot of tools that we worked we, we, we got taught we worked with implementing any one of a variety and for me it's been writing and having, I have, I have some people now, part of our Beyond Surviving, our graduate group, that yeah. when, I'm, when I'm in trouble or when I'm dealing with something like this, I can reach out, right? So I can write it down, which is amazing, right? I cannot tell you how many times I've written things down, just written my thoughts or, or written to somebody that I'm upset with. Mm -hmm. Not giving it to them, but just writing it down. And then walking away for a day or two, and it's taken all this emotional stuff that I've kept buried in myself for years and years of not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Or if I call, I can call Jedi, I can call Jen, I, I can call these people 
And what's cool, Rachel, is because I have other friends, obviously, but there's a common bond that I have. Yeah, right? that's definitely. And I don't, I can, I don't have to put any filters. I don't have to mask anything. I can just say it all. Like, Bring it. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. There is, you know, these are your, when you, when we get to inner circle relationships and particularly when those people in our inner circle relationships have um, the experience of trauma, there is kind of a, a coded language. There's a saying, like, I don't have to explain everything. I can do a little less work. Um, than I might do with somebody who's not trauma informed or hasn't experienced trauma. And so, yeah, and I, I want to talk about that now. Let's turn our attention to exactly the benefits because absolutely in all of my work and in my own journey, we sit in the place of silence because of all the fears, all the negative things that we believe are going to happen when we refuse to be silent and when we begin to talk about our experiences of trauma. Um, but you've already alluded to, and I think it's just worth expanding upon, it turned out not to be the case. <laughs> it actually turned out to be, you know, these these stepping stones, like, okay, first in this context, and then that gave me, you know, the wherewithal to, to share in this context, and then with family, and then now here, like, being in, you know, this community, the Beyond Surviving 2.0 community, that is both men and women, and having that space where, you know, we're collectively continuing the conversation about empowered living, and um, living from the place of, you know, agency and adulthood and thriving, so talk with me a little bit about what you would offer are for those, you know, really think about the people who are super scared to acknowledge this, maybe even first to themselves, but certainly to begin the conversation with someone in their life. What have you found to be some of the, the positive benefits of refusing to be silent? Well, first of all, I built up so many stories about how I was going to be perceived by people. If I were to tell, it would change my whole who I was, my persona, it was very, very frightening. So I, I need, I want to say right off the bat that say I'm up to a dozen people. Well, actually there's a lot more because of the, the, the chapter in the book I, I, I wrote. So there's hundreds now, but initially I still was very selective of how I shared this. You know, is it important for this relationship that I share this? And in, every single case it opened up it took whatever relationship i had with that person and created an even deeper intimacy yeah and not in a single case did i walk away from the situation feeling defeated or or or, or less for having done that. not not in a single case that i could that that's happened yeah. and i don't know if that would have been the same if i was telling my teenage friends or my high you know my 20s sure. friends I, I don't know but for me today all it's done is bring my 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 inner trust circle those people even closer and more intimate yeah. um as far as here's the thing i realized when you were speaking mm -hmm. i still have a mask that i put on with my people in my different sphere of relationships if they're not a survivor themselves. And I, I didn't realize that. Like you said, there's a different intimacy yeah. that occurs when I don't have to explain myself. It's they, the, the party, the person, 
that I'm speaking to already knows or is already aware of this scar or this experience that I've had, that it's a different type of, uh, of, of being able to not have to wear a mask. I haven't thought about yeah. that. It's, a, it's an interesting, you know, framework because, you know, I wouldn't necessarily for my, the way that I would frame that for myself or express that for myself is not masked, but um, attuned. I'm attuned to what will actually be supportive and accessible in the interaction that I'm having with someone based on the level of relationship that I have with them, based on their level of awareness. Um, their own capacity. And, and so I just wouldn't even expect the same level of intimacy and correlation of understanding as I would when I'm talking to somebody who I have a deeper relationship with and certainly somebody who's experienced trauma. And this is good news though, right? Like we need all these different relationships ultimately collectively to support us in our lives. One thing I'm really connecting to as you're sharing, Tim, is that in breaking the silence, what that really does is, first of all, of course, it challenges our shame and it opens the pathway to being able to get resources for healing. But one of the biggest benefits is it does allow us to then to start to build community, to step into spaces and places where we can have those kinds of conversations that are so rich and so rewarding and so effortless that, you know, normalize our experience, people who see us in ways that maybe other people can't. Um, yeah, that's where that took me. What do you think about that, Tim? Well, here's what was coming up in my brain, because I don't know this for a fact, but I believe there's a lot of men and women who have been through sexual abuse, trauma of this nature, and don't do anything about it and, right. and live their lives. And I recall in the last couple of years, my brother was with this vet coming back from one of these house building projects this church does in Mexico. And Mike took, for whatever reason, took the opportunity to share with this guy who was struggling in life with drinking and drugs. And, and, mm. and so the guy's in his sixties and Mike shared his experience that he had when he was a kid with Rory while driving back from Mexico. And, and Mike goes to me, Tim, you're not going to believe he started shaking like, I, I thought I was going to have to pull over and, 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 and take care of him having a seizure. Wow. And what did it happen? He'd been abused as, as, a, as a kid. He'd been sexually abused as a kid in whatever messed up situation he was in. Mm -hmm. And I, you take my degree of shame and my, what I wanted to hide, Mike described this guy as way more intense. Mm -hmm. And the guy had no idea that it was possible to share this. Wow, right? I have no idea whatsoever. Not even on the radar, yeah. And, you know, what? when he told me that story, I was like, wow, because I was just thinking about me for so long. I, it's all about me. I want to take care of my stuff. Mm. When I think about what's available, if somebody even had any degree of what I went through, to just take that step, right? Yeah, yeah. Find that community or find that person or figure out a way yeah, to just name it. Like we said, just name it. Ooh, 
my heart is like beating super, super, super fast. And in the space of how like impactful and how meaningful it is for you to be here today, sharing your story in this podcast, because, you know, for me as a teenager and as a young woman, there were plenty of models of women speaking out. I could, you know, connect with books. I could, could, I could watch certain shows. Joyce Myers comes to mind as somebody who was really influential for me in my 20s who spoke very, was very outspoken about the abuse she experienced. And even though I wasn't ready, there was this like, you know, it's like a carrying call. Like it, it's there, it's available, it's possible, it's something that can be accessed. You know, I think about my friends um, who are, you know, women of color who we talk about when they for so long in their lives never saw themselves in films or in certain industries, you know, represented how absolutely it, it creates this sensation of like, not for me, not possible for me. And so what I think we're starting to see with more celebrities and more men coming forward is that, you know, this is your season of, you know, creating, I just think about the young boys who might stumble upon this, you know, and hear you um, and about your journey and to exactly that, to find some solace in the fact that they don't have to be silent. There are other men who have gone through this and who are beautiful and amazing and wonderful and have nothing to be ashamed of and are leading really beautiful lives that, um, and that they too can, can speak up and speak out and get the support that they so deserve and so need. Yeah. So thank you for using your voice as I'm going to say weapon, <laughs> as a weapon in this world to keep breaking down those walls, not just for yourself, but absolutely for others. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, Tim. Well, I have to t tell you, Rachel, because, uh, you know, I worked in the, you have, you have a, 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 like a graduate, like encounter group that we get together twice a month. And I'd spent a couple of years, you know, kind of being the lone guy with all these women. Yes. And in <laughs> the last six months, eight months or whatever, Jedi in particular, and then Peter, and, and it's been, yeah. it's pretty powerful, like, because you get different people from, have way different diverse backgrounds where they come from. Yeah. However, this shared experience, especially, you know, what I stereotyped of the macho type, like, person that's, you know, just like alpha dog. Because mm -hmm. those guys, it wasn't supposed to happen to, right? Because that's kind of how I pictured the story. Yeah, that's, my middle that's, that's season, the story. Up, right? Certain types of men are abused. Yeah. Well, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, it sure doesn't. What's, it, what's pretty amazing now I think about this, this is kind of, is that having this shared experience allows an intimacy that isn't going to be there in other relationships I have with men. Yeah. It's, it's just not going to be there. Yeah. And it's amazing how uh, I picture us now almost like I never thought about, but as warriors, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. The, the opportunity to, to, to be protectors or like, I don't know. There's something we can dive into in the future of what's available there. Yeah. And, and I think uh, if you're someone like myself 
who carries this for 30, 40, 45 years, there's another way. Hell yeah. <laughs> Find that one, yes. you know, that one person to reach out to and name them and go, there, there's, I'm out here, right? I'm here and there's, there's, there, we're out here. Mm, most definitely. Tim, I think that's a beautiful place to, to leave it today. You know, just that there is so much opportunity and this is such a, an invitation, you know, to raise your voice, to seek and get the help that you so deserve and so need. And that there are so many great spaces um, where men are getting to show up these days and get support. Um, you can pop over to rachelgrantcoaching.com slash resources and check out the male survivors section. Um, and of course, I am available um, to support you in your journey if you're at that place where you're really ready to start challenging the impact of the, the trauma and move on with your life. Tim, I can't even begin to say all the things that I really want to say about how much I appreciate you and how rich and rewarding our work has been together through the Beyond Surviving program and, and how great it is to have you in the Beyond Surviving 2.0 graduate community. I love that space and how it's continuing to unfold and the ways in which my graduates are really like making it their own. And the deep healing that is happening as men and women come together and share their commonalities and respect and support where we're different and the different challenges that we face, but that we can through love and compassion, keep seeing each other and keep supporting and holding each other up. So Tim, any final words um, for our folks listening today? Well, uh, yeah, look at Rachel. You many, many times, uh, I don't believe you get the acknowledgement that, 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 that you deserve. And so my only words right now, I, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so, so grateful for having found you and staying committed and going all the way in. Um, thank you so much for all that you've done for all of us. I super, super appreciate it. Mm, I received that, Tim. Thank you. Tim, the one that I see in you is courageous, laugh out loud, strong, compassionate, thoughtful, and bold. And I look forward to continuing the conversation when I see you at our next call. Um, but thank you again with deep gratitude for being here and sharing your story. And for those of you tuning in and joining us today, thank you as well for taking the time and investing your time to, to listen. As always, if you'd like to make a donation in support of the podcast, you can go to bit.ly slash beyond surviving podcast donation. All contributions are applied towards funding scholarships, the running of donation-based and free programs, and making sure that those reaching out for support get what they need. Don't forget to visit Rachel Grant Coaching to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and to learn more about the resources that are available on the site. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a note, what are you liking, what are you enjoying, and then come back next time because we have so much more to share. And until then, take good care of you. Hi. 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.